everybody, and welcome to another panel hosted by SheProp. And today we're talking about causability. So we are talking about navigating the world of cons and cosplay with mobility aids, visual aids, and other things that able-bodied people may not know about. So thank you all for joining, and thank you for being a part of the SheProp community panel series. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with SheProp, SheProp is a growing community that is focused on supporting, empowering, and representing female and non-binary and transgendered cosplayers, artists, and makers. You can watch these panels on SheProp YouTube channel or listen to them on the SheProp Talk podcast, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are interested in joining us over at the SheProp community, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We will add links in the show notes to help you find us and we'd love to have you. So thank you all for joining us. Now to introduce our amazing panelists, uh, my name is Abby, I'm also known as Abby Cat Cosplay. I've been cosplaying for five to six years now um, and I am not going to be doing much talking about this topic but I do have experience with navigating cons with social anxiety. It's a, it's a fun problem to have, let me tell you. And uh, so I can't wait to talk to everybody else who has a lot more experience and knowledge about this topic than I do. So let's get to introducing them. Hi, I'm Xander of Xander Pander Cosplay. I've been cosplaying for uh, 15 years or so. I have ADHD along with some other mental funness, who doesn't? <laughs> um, and also occasionally use uh, mobility devices to help get around. Hey everybody, my name is Aloria, also known as the Well-Rounded Mermaid or the Crystalline Siren. I have been performing as a mermaid performer for the last six years or so, playing around with costume for a long, long time, but only doing it avidly for about the same time, about six years. Outside of, you know, Halloween and all the fun stuff that everybody does when they're trying to figure out costuming and all that. My pronouns are she, her, and I have been traveling to conventions and stuff since I was like 17, and that was a long time ago. Uh, so this is a topic that's close to my heart, being a visually impaired cosplayer and performer. I have optic nerve hypoplasia and strabismus and nystagmus and internal stuff, as well as recently over the last few years, some mobility issues. Hey, I'm Zemesta Cosplay, also known as, or I'm Olivia, also known as Zemesta Cosplay. I have chronic pelvic pain since 2006 um, as a result of my military service. And uh, I have uh, MST PTSD, which causes a lot of social anxieties. Um, I mainly use a cane to get around now, but um, I do still use a wheelchair for any kind of distance. And I also have a service dog that assists me with my PTSD and has actually made it possible for me to get out into public and be out there. Hi, my name is Christelle, um, also known as the Mermaid Mira or Uber Geek Cosplay when I'm with my husband. Um, I've been cosplaying most of my life. I've been going to conventions for about 20 years. Um, I have fibromyalgia, ADHD, social anxiety, a whole bunch of other fun, invisible illnesses. Um, I use a cane most of the time when getting around and uh, yeah, I guess. Okay, well, thank you everybody for joining us today. I'm very excited to get moving forward on this. So let's jump right in. Okay, there we go. 
All right, so one of the things that we talked about wanting to go over on this panel is cosplaying disabled characters. So is that something that you choose to do or is that something that you seek out when it's picking your characters that you want to cosplay as? Um, I guess I'll start um, okay. just because as in my picture, I did uh, Xavier from X-Men. Uh, funny story about that is I actually originally with my X-Men group was going to do um, Mystique and I did her in high heels uh, the night before at a, an event and it completely killed my legs. <laughs> um, I couldn't walk and the con was that weekend. Um, and I went, hey, I shave my head, I have a suit, and I have a wheelchair in my garage. And so I did Xavier last minute, and he became a cosplay I've done quite a bit with my X-Men group and such. And I've looked at other possibilities, but none of them really spoke to me. But I've kind of, I've been doing some research of either characters or cosplays that I could incorporate either a wheelchair or a cane into just haven't yet. Does anybody else gravitate towards characters that m melds well or mashes with your particular particular mobility aid or anything like that? I've thought about it. I've, um, you know, people, oh, oh, what about Daredevil? Oh, what about Toph from Avatar? And for me, I celebrate those characters. I freaking love that they are available and they're out there and we totally need more of them. But I feel like we, both as cosplayers and people and whatever, just need to gravitate toward the character more than anything. So like, Toph is cool and all, but I'd way rather cosplay Katara. Um, Daredevil is pretty rad, but he also kind of perpetuates certain stereotypes about blindness that I think we need to be careful of, like this echolocation and sonar. Um, a lot of people think that that's something that all blind people can do, which is not. So yeah, for me, not so much. There are ways that I've thought about incorporating my disability into other cosplays, but not specifically a cosplay for the disability. Now, that brings up kind of another point that we had on, on uh, the outline that we wanted to go over, which is just representation. Are there good characters out there that you see that have canes or wheelchairs or are blind or you're everybody's shaking their head okay <laughs> are there ones that you think well that was a nice try but look at all the ways it's problematic well i think like Meloria was saying daredevil you know that's got a lot of problems and there really is no representation for invisible disabilities i don't think at all that i can think of and I mean, part of the cosplays I choose are characters that I, I gravitate towards and that I love. And part of cosplay for me, what I enjoy is that escapism of, of I'm not disabled in that moment. Like I get to be this character and pretend to be someone else. And even with my canes, I don't want to hide them because when I do, people don't take me seriously because they, they don't see my disabilities. So I feel like I have to make it separate from my costume, but when I'm cosplaying, I don't even like have pictures with my aides because I, it's the moment I get to not be disabled, finally. And uh, the, the one nice thing about mermaiding when I'm in a wheelchair is, yes, 
I do benefit from using that wheelchair, that's for sure. But I don't have to explain when I, why I'm in a wheelchair when I'm a mermaid. So it's my way of hiding without completely hiding it, if that makes sense. That does make sense. And Luria, you do mermaiding also. Yeah, right? I, yeah, I've been a mermaid performer for the last six years. Um, she's one of my pod mates. Yep. So, six years, yeah. So do you find also that the mermaiding community is a really great place for people who have mobility issues or visual issues? By and large, yes. There's still oh, yeah. a large, um, we need more of us. I think a lot of people feel like, both with cosplay and with mermaiding, that, oh, I can't do that because blah. And that's part of why I continue to be passionate and vocal about what I do to prove that whether it's cosplay, mermaiding, being a singer, artist, whatever, no boundaries. It's up to you. It's not up to your whatever limitation that you feel or society feels wants to put on you. And I agree with Christelle absolutely that sometimes I don't want to be reminded that I, that's why I love being in the water because I am. I can do backflips, I can do somersaults, I can do all these things that on land, you know, you have all these difficulties with. I'm, I am powerful and I am free in the water. So we can acknowledge that there aren't a lot of good representation out there for people who have disabilities, but if somebody who is able-bodied wanted to cosplay somebody like Professor X or Daredevil or somebody else that ha represents a disabled person, is there a way to do that with sensitivity? Personally, I feel absolutely. I feel like as a being a person with visual impairment, like um, our friend was saying, I also use a wheelchair sometimes for mobility, but also sometimes for mermaiding. But I am afraid of posting pictures, even as a disabled person, of myself in the wheelchair because I'm afraid that people, oh, you don't need that. Um, I feel like as long as you are thoughtful and respectful, then that's what's important. Maybe don't use a white cane as daredevil unless you're in that, you know, not superhero, I don't know what you call it. When he's in his normies and when he's wearing his white cane, then that would be okay. But if you're doing a daredevil and you just buy some white cane off of eBay, because it's, it's not thoughtful. You want to be mindful of, that you're representing real people, no matter what you do. And if you are fully taking advantage of what it looks like to be disabled, yes, people are going to treat you that way if you're completely able-bodied and that kind of takes away from the people who really do have disabilities, especially those of us with invisible illnesses. It's already hard enough to be taken seriously. So if somebody is kind of faking it to a degree that they're being believed, that can make it harder for people like myself, for example. She, yeah. yeah, actually she puts it in a great way. You wanna make sure you're honoring it, not mocking it. Yeah. Just remember that uh, other people not, not necessarily disabled people, but other able-bodied people are watching you. Yeah. And they might not understand as much. Because um, like I know I've been told, uh, not in the cosplay community, but outside, that I was weak for using a wheelchair because of pain. It's like, well, you know what? You live with my pain. <laughs> you live with the pelvic pain and try to walk around and tell me how well that works. <laughs> yeah. Tell me how strong you feel. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think one way to basically honor the character, make sure um, don't use the ADA uh, accessibilities yeah. that we obviously need. Yes. Uh, make sure to not use those. Um, if you're doing like a wheelchair character, maybe when you're walking around, when you're going around, actually be out of the wheelchair and walking around and have it folded up and only take pictures in the wheelchair. Because it also show and kind of back to uh, representation, I haven't seen a character who needs a wheelchair but doesn't need it all the time. And I think that's kind of all of us here is we can get up and walk around if we feel like we can, but it's not all the time. And there aren't characters like that. And so there, there's also that um, you go to a con and I've done it with Xavier and stuff is like when I go and order food, there isn't tons of room in restaurants. So I fold up the wheelchair and I go and order food and then I go and sit down. And there's too many people who see that as you're faking. And so it, it, it's that gray area of is someone actually able-bodied and just using a wheelchair or do they just not need the wheelchair all the time? And I think it just comes to it is just don't ask somebody. Don't ask if they actually need the device. The only people who may ask would be like staff being like, oh, do you know there's ADA accessibilities? And if the person's able-bodied, they can be like, yeah, I know I don't need them. Just as simple as that. And like you said, if you are able-bodied, please don't use the facilities that the other ADA people do. Please don't abuse the ADA service just because you're in that costume. Absolutely. And when you're referring to facilities, you're, I'm assuming you're talking about larger cells in the restrooms or other things like that? Closer seats at, at concerts and events and all the, yeah, yeah. The ADA lines and other kind of special things that ADA people need that you know, a special access area or, you know, ramps or whatever that, that, uh, that really should be uh, reserved for those situations where people- Basic, like the restrooms or um, like at panels, a lot of times they'll have yeah, yeah. Um, empty spots that are for um, mobility devices and stuff. Um, if you don't need to be in a wheelchair or whatever, have it parked off to the side and take a normal seat. These are all great tips. Thank you very much. Um, now, it's also not just about having the mobility aids. It's also about incorporating or choosing not to incorporating them into your cosplay. Now, Xander, you have done one of the coolest things ever with your cane. I don't know if you know exactly what I'm going to mention, but um, you incorporated your cane with your Uncle Fester cosplay in the coolest way possible, and I love it. So can you tell us a little bit about how you choose to incorporate your, your cane or your chair into your cosplay, particularly? You know, it's funny. I didn't even think about that. You didn't? That was, it's the first one that came to my mind, because I think it's so genius. I loved it. Um, so I cosplayed Uncle Fester, and I made a Cousin It prop, basically, that is on its own stand, and it, and it had wheels and stuff, so I could easily move it around, and yeah, I, I held him the whole time, and yeah, thinking back, I'm like, yeah, he probably supported me a couple times. I didn't intend him 
to be that, but um, the funniest part is people always thought there was a kid inside of it because it, <laughs> it moved with because I just had it on wheels and so it moved with me. It, it wasn't until like going on stairs or escalators that I'd have to lift it so all the you know, I hadn't made it out of yarn so all the yarn wouldn't get stuck. That people are like, oh. <laughs> I didn't even know that you hadn't designed that specifically to be your walking aid. I just thought, yeah, originally oh, I didn't, genius. but yeah, um, pretty much when I made it, I wasn't having as much problems. Um, but yeah, if I decided to do Fester again, I could easily use that as basically a walking stick. I, I just thought it was the best idea. And Olivia, I know you've done some things uh, to incorporate your mobility aids into your cosplays. Um, can yeah. you tell us a little bit about what you've done or how you strategize doing that? Um, well, like with, uh, for my Mercy, um, I just, I wanted a Doctor Who character that I could incorporate my wheelchair with. And I was like, I, I didn't want to be someone in a wheelchair um and I, I was just going through and then it, I was going through and watching and I, I happened to watch the last doctor <laughs> or the next doctor and uh I was like oh my god mercy and when she got on the throne I could be the cyber king and so that's kind of where I went from there and I just kind of built it around that and uh same thing kind of happened for uh, what's going to be whenever we get around to the Western Championships again. Uh, my next big competition piece started out as just a just a doodle, a stress doodle <laughs> that turned into a chair and started to think about the story behind it and it turned into Cheshire Alice's Tea Party. And so I'm turning my wheelchair into a uh, tea party uh, or like a tea chair tea party chair oh my and, god uh, then <laughs> to go with it i've got my nate <laughs> i just took a regular um i had bought a wooden cane off of amazon built up the body and then stuck a feather boa around it to give him the body and then took some craft foam to make the feet um most recently i've been working on Wonder Woman. This is my first one that I made from scratch. And it's just actually a cane. So you've wow. turned her God Killer sword yep. into a yep. cane. Into a cane. Wow. And do you always try to make your cane a part of the costume or do you sometimes just wear a costume and have a cane and call it good? I'll wear a costume and have a cane if that's kind of where I'm at, but I prefer to be able to disguise the cane. That way I don't have to hide it for pictures. I can actually have it there and I don't have to worry about, well, where am I going to put this? I can just like, ha, cane. <laughs> and you also compete. So you mentioned you've, you've got your teapot party chair that you're working on. And I know your Doctor Who I'm honestly not familiar with that character. I'm sorry, so I forgot its name. She's but only you, in one one episode. So you and I have actually competed against each other. Yep. Um, and so I got to see your Doctor Who cosplay up close. It's beautiful. But how do you approach competitions with your chair? I kind of do one big build a year. That's that's what I plan on for Emerald City, um, usually because I've only I really can only afford one big con a year. 
Um, and so uh, I plan on that one for being in my wheelchair, but others, I pretty much just kind of, all the rest of my cosplays, I'm like, I wanna make this cosplay. And so I make the cosplay and figure out where to wear it to later. Um, and I've actually competed a couple times that way. And I was actually lucky that I didn't have my wheelchair because there was no ramp in those competitions. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't have been able to get on stage. And even with a cane, um, you know, it's difficult to get on, on and off stage. Cosplays alone, trying to manage them on stairs, especially if you're in some kind of a gown and then add in the, okay, I need to make sure that I'm putting this up and getting my stuff right and keeping the costume out of the way. <laughs> Much less going to the bathroom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Iluria, I know that you also um, incorporate some of your, um, or it's contacts for you, right? You incorporate that into your character designs as well. Yeah, absolutely. There are things that I do, like when I got my eye operated on for uh, cataract surgery, they gave me this little eye patch clear thing so that I still got oxygen to my eye. And I took one look at that, and I had to wear it for a week. So I was like, oh, I am incorporating that into a cosplay. So there's did you lots bedazzle of it? Oh, you bet I did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I remember you did that. <laughs> yep, me and a hot glue gun. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, oh, I can wear that for a cosplay. Or like I have this great big monocular, which is for those who are not familiar, it is binoculars, but only one, often for people who are visually impaired. I would love to get some place like Brute Force. Um, they do like steampunky stuff. Years ago, I think in 1995, maybe 2000, I asked them, I want to trick this out like a steampunk monocular or monocle so that it looks more in character if I have to use it. So like um, our other panelists, I try to incorporate things. I have a great big staff that I got made out of ivy fine, like the long curly wood. Um, and I put a globe on the top that's glowy and has like dollar store butterflies stuffed up at the top. So it has a sphere that glows. But the reason why I chose the staff was both for mobility help and to act as my cane. When I was at this big festival that we often go to here in the Northwest, Fairy Worlds. That way I could have stability and a cane. You, think you mentioned the contacts too, that the contacts for me are me choosing not to show my disability. I think that people with disabilities should have every right to either express it or hide it as they wish. So like my contacts wipe my entire eyes out so that people don't ask me, oh, are you looking at me? Mm -hmm. I'm and I get that literally almost every time I go out. Me, who, me, what? And even if they're the only person there, I get that. I'm like, you, looking at you. So that way I can say, I choose, and then they don't know, which is great. <laughs> so, so, I think the only time that I've, incorporated uh, my cane is with my Sailor Pluto cosplay. And I haven't cosplayed Sailor Pluto in a while because that cane, the staff is not, I need to redo it. It's not very stable and I need it to be a cane. And I can't walk with a cane and a staff. So I, and I usually just 
have a cane and I make sure it's an obvious cane and I just don't have it in photos because with, you know, a lot of people like at Fairy Worlds, um, I've had the, uh, the little tram pass me by and say, this is for ADA only. And I'm like, uh, I am, I'm just using a nice staff that's not an obvious cane because I want it to look good with my costumes. And, you know, so I found that there's downsides to trying to hide my cane. Um, and then of course, I also want to be like super accurate if I'm going to do a staff and I want it to be really stable. So that that's one of the few times that I've incorporated it and I really need to revisit that. <laughs> so, yeah, I've had that happen too. It's, it's not fun. Yeah. But no. there are ways that you can trick out, like even simply, if you don't have a ton of money, you can use, I've some seen some people use duct tape. I use that on one of my canes, my blind canes, to trick it out, to at least customize it in some way. You well, can use washi tape. I've used duct tape on some crutches that I've got. So there's a lot of creativity to incorporate. I actually started collecting stickers from local artists at cons and putting those stickers on my cane that I use at the cons which that's in my car right now. Otherwise I, I should have remembered to grab it. But um, yeah, so I've been putting local artist stickers on my cane so it can be like flashy and fun without being like hiding that I have a cane. Mm -hmm. Well, it's also a great way of supporting artists. Yeah, exactly. I'm, just, I'm like, I seek out those people now. Like, do you have stickers? <laughs> it makes me think of luggage stamps. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Now, we have, or you have touched on it a little bit, um, navigating the cons and being at these events, they're full of people. They're oftentimes taking up huge amounts of space. So what are some common accommodation issues that you run into while you're at a con? Uh, well, things being so far apart from each other, um, like for example, Emerald City, uh, they moved their um, uh, the, their celebrity panels, their big celebrity panels, to another hotel a couple blocks away. And if you know Seattle, you know the hills are pretty crazy. I was only able to make it to one celebrity panel the last year that I went, and I couldn't go back again because it, I couldn't walk back and forth. And you know, I find that it's a lot of people think, well, you're disabled, you have a wheelchair, so you can get around. Well, not all of us are disabled who have a wheelchair. Or if you have a wheelchair, it's a push wheelchair, and my husband is not gonna push me up and down some hills. And so I had to miss all the celebrity panels because they were so far apart. And I had to be careful navigating the con in general because everything is so spread out and there's not a, a lot of places to sit and, and kind of regain yourself until you get up and walk the other block to the next hall or whatever. So there's just, it's not that easy to navigate these large spaces in general. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of hotels and convention centers, even when it's in one building, one panel here the next hour, one panel there, then you're back at, like, whether you have disabilities or not, a lot of people go home just exhausted mm -hmm. because it's all so spread out. Now imagine what that would be like if you had a push wheelchair and no one to push you. Mm -hmm. I always have to get a hotel room so that I've got some place I can escape to during the day and just <sighs> and that's even when you're in at a con in your hometown yes yes i i live um maybe an hour north of seattle and i will not do emerald city without having the hotel there no 
And when we do Emerald City, we can't afford a hotel nearby. So I have to get an Airbnb like 20 minutes away. And you can't just leave your car, you know, park and come back because you'll have to pay for parking mm -hmm. again or you won't get a parking spot. Um, and I, we find that we have to go a couple hours before the event opens because it's the only way we can get the one of five ADA spots. Oh uh, God, otherwise, yeah. So we have to go and be there all day um, because there's not enough parking for handicap. Um, and you can't, you can't count on getting some rest in between because you can't leave and come back. So, not you touched on something very important. A lot of places, there's only so many ADA parking spots, mm -hmm. but a lot of people with disabilities don't even have a hang tag. I've had my disability my entire life since birth, and in my home state, you don't get a hang tag with a visual impairment. So I think that's something that a lot of people have to think about when they're planning conventions is... Like, you know, not all ability, disabilities are visible and not all visible, technically vis visible disabilities qualify even for all the things that people just take for granted. Is it because they assume that you're not driving yet there's other people that drive you that need that because sometimes they need to take you close up. And mm -hmm. yeah, so that's, that's a tricky gray area that, that really, that sucks. <laughs> At least we can with me somewhere, you know, that we both get the handicap, we get the ADA together. <laughs> so have you any, has anybody been to a con or an event that did something right? And even if it's not doing everything right, but was there something that you saw that you thought, this is great, I want every con to do something like this? So again, Emerald City, great example of both. Um, Emerald City did a really good job this last con, that I, the last year that they had it, they upped their game with that. Um, they have ADA wristbands for the person disabled and their companion. That helped a lot. And I want all conventions to do that. Like they're the only one I've seen that have done that. And I liked it because it meant I didn't have to explain myself every single time that I needed to use that benefit. So uh, it meant that also my husband could go somewhere for me and go to the car or something like that and come back through the, the ADA uh, like um, entrances without having to wait in long lines so he can come and help me out quicker. Um, and it, it meant that there were lines specifically for ADA people to get into the panels and we got priority access and we got priority seating. They had priority seating. Uh, that was blocked out just for ADA. Um, and it, because, you know, with the invisible disability, even though I have a cane, it helped that I didn't have to explain myself and say, hey, please, blah, blah, blah. I, you know, I have a disability. To, I didn't have to go through all that. I just flashed my wristband, husband flashed his wristband, and uh, it, it was a huge deal. And I couldn't give them more props. And I wish that every con would give those wristbands to us. <laughs> Does anybody Absolutely. else? have an experience that they thought was really great? Um, I think Chrome City did a uh, similar. Uh, last year they had they had wristbands for person needed and then anyone who was in the group. Um, it was interesting online they said the person who needs it and then one extra person so I was only expecting one person in my group to get a wristband and they gave it to everyone so there was about four of us so you um, and they nice. gave all wristbands because it's like well obviously you're in a group so there you go. Um, and I'm pretty sure, I haven't done competitions recently, but I'm pretty sure they've had ramps for 
there's um, off and on. I mean, I, I've um, done competitions in the ramps. I mean, they have ramps, but they're like this wide. Yeah. Like they're hard even to fit in if you're just wearing a big gown. Oh God. Emerald City, I, I could fit the wheelchair up, but I remember we had to take off the the costume part of my wheelchair and put that back on when we got up there. <laughs> I bet. Um, I've gone to a few uh, anime conventions that I think because they're run by, they're basically run by fans that they've cared a lot more. Um, I've gone I think anime cons were my first convention, so I've gone to them for 15 years. Um, and they always, they don't do wristbands, but we always have a physical badge that they will put a, a sticker on the back. So you can just that easily slash, slash it or whatever to anybody who needs it. Um, and yeah, they've always had, uh, you can seat early. Um, I've, I know I didn't start using ADA stuff until like the last couple of years because things have just gotten worse. Um, and with them, like they've, like with the, um, I was waiting for a big panel and um, I didn't have a wheelchair and I, I was hurting and I'm like, I can't stand to wait this long. How long is it going to be? And they're like, they're like, oh, we'll start seating in 10 minutes. There was a seating area just off to the side, basically. And I said, can I just sit over there? And, and they were very lenient, being like, this is when we're going to seat, and I will make sure somebody comes over to tell you when we're ready to seat. And they were very, very good about taking care of people who needed different things. And so I, I, think, I think that helps when you have people who are disabled on the staff, because I definitely know um, Kamari Khan and Soccer Khan, I know quite a bit of the staff for both of those con conventions, and a lot of them are, have some sort of disability, and so they make, they make sure that both themselves and other people are taken care of. Yeah. At both uh, Kamari Khan and Soccer Khan, so again, anime conventions, um, they have a manager's uh, booth basically when you go to pick up your badge um, and that's basically the tell all um, if something's going wrong they send you there whatever but that's also the ADA line because it's shorter and um, I've worked registra registration st staff as well and so normally if you need a shorter line you would go there otherwise if you decide to just go through the normal uh, the normal line because sometimes it isn't that long um, all of the reg staff have those stickers so if anybody says they need it we can be like okay here you go or um, if it's very if it's obvious like if they come up into a wheelchair you'll just be like hey do you need this or so it, it's very nice to have it when you pick up the badge you also get it so it isn't in it isn't a separate location now, we've mentioned a lot about things like walking aids and um, wheelchairs. Or, so those are visible signs of a disability. But how can the invisible disabilities that people have, um, how can that make a completely different set of challenges with navigating a con? I think every single person on this panel has some sort of vis invisible disability. So 
I'll have something to say about that. Oh, I am going to say this one. This is my, going to be my contribution. Can people who are offended stop saying they are triggered? I just want to say that out loud. Yeah. Triggering is a real thing that happens to people who have trauma disorders or anxiety or stress or autism. Triggering is a real thing that has a serious physiological and mental effect on people with mental health issues. If you are offended, you are not triggered. Stop using that word. You are making it so people who actually have triggers cannot get the help that they need. Exactly. That's my little rant. Sorry about that. Yeah. So being, not sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'll be sorry. <laughs> I so. mean, you know, it's being now neurodivergent too. We have, you know, we have more triggers than, than a lot of, like, especially a lot of neurotypical people. Um, and that's one thing I wanted to touch on too, about what cons have provided, what some, what a lot have actually been good about is having empty rooms, empty panel rooms that people can go into and have a quiet space. Because a lot of times being a neurodivergent, we get overwhelmed. And, you know, a lot of people on the spectrum and stuff get very overwhelmed using that so much stimulation around us that having that quiet space to go to without having to leave the con is a really big deal now. And, and a lot of the anime cons have been really good about that. Emerald City did have a space last year. And, and I noticed that more cons are getting better about that or you're allowed to go in these rooms if there's no panel happening next and just kind of chill out. And uh, that's been, I, I say that, that that's a very necessary thing uh, for anyone struggling with mental illness or, or invisible disability or anything, just somewhere quiet to go and disappear. Uh, and just also to kind of touch on that is, is having, it'd be nice to have more seating just in general, like chairs randomly around conventions where you can just sit and for whatever reason, you're not feeling well, your mental health, whatever, instead of having to sit on the con floor. Um, some cons have actually done good with that, having chairs scattered more places to be able to do that. Uh, it, Time out spots. Hmm? Time out spots, just yeah. like you said, little places that you can decompress. Yep. And that's great. Like, I can practically hear people saying, oh, we'll just go back to your hotel room. Well, not everybody, like we've said before, stays at the con. Some of us do, but not everybody does. So not everyone has the luxury of going back to their room to be depressed. Yeah. That's why I can only afford really that one big con because I have to factor in that room as, you know, if I didn't have to factor that room in, that room alone is like three other conventions yeah. being able to go. So, yeah. I mean, but I know for myself, I need it. You know, for me, the convention is like a double-edged sword. Um, I've got my, you know, I'm a people person that wound up afraid of people when my PTSD presented. And so it's like, I, I need that interaction. And so I use cosplay and conventions to give me that um, uh, exposure therapy and to really actually be able to get out there and be, you know, I force myself into it, but I've got the character that I can hide in and I don't have to be me. I, you know, I can decide how much of me the people around me see. Mm -hmm. um, but it still 
gets overstimulating and I have to get away from it because, you know, we're trying to push ourselves and, you know, I want to be there, but it's like, okay, I got to get away and hide because. Yep. <laughs> now, Olivia, you touched on it just a little bit with how being a character can help get you past some of those mental health humps that we experience when we're going to big panel or big events. Um, has cosplay helped with mental health issues or helped you be able to be in, in public or? Oh yeah, my, ther my therapist is actually, uh, I I'm actually actively in mental health therapy right now and I've got an amazing therapist. She actually uses cosplay um, in my therapy um, she's had me design, like, if I'm ever feeling something, she's like, okay, you don't have to draw it out, but what would the costume be? And so she has me think at it from that angle. It's like, okay, yeah, well, what am I feeling? How would I put that into a costume? That's and cool. That's a really cool idea. And so it really helps a lot. So I, I also have anxiety issues and it is, Cons I'm okay with, um, but if, if I have to go to a small group of, or at a small event and I don't know people well, I have a real hard time and I wear wigs to them and it helps me so much and because it's like I can put on my little helmet, it's going to protect me and if I'm going to be the weirdest person in the room anyway, yes. which I probably am, I may as well wear the little I'm weird sign on my head and then I don't have to explain it. So... <laughs> So I, I will be like, here I am. Like, yes, I showed up to a bridal shower in a wig. It is purple. And so I found the same thing that it, it helps me be able to go places that I'm scared of or that I'm nervous about or be around people that I'm like, oh, they're gonna, I'm gonna have nothing in common with any of them. Wearing the wig doesn't give me anything in common with them, but it helps me actually get in the door, so. Well, and sometimes I, those little things like wearing a wig or just weird clothing or whatever are good ways to start conversations with people that you're afraid to talk to because they're not asking necessarily about you. So you don't have to feel the pressure to talk about yourself and you can just kind of divert the attention away to something else until you feel comfortable enough with them to have a more meaningful or personal conversation. And that's what I love about cosplay is I don't necessarily have to start out talking about me or myself, right? which is a lot of pressure and totally makes my social anxiety go through the roof. So <laughs> I use cosplay even the, to start a conversation with somebody else. Similar social anxiety, the I'm very shy and stuff, um, but hey, you're cosplaying a character I really love. One, your cosplay is amazing. Two, why'd you cosplay this character? And, and you, get, you start to talk about the fandom you love, why you do this. And it, it, it just, cosplay automatically breaks the ice, basically, for some people. Mm -hmm. That kind and, of leads directly into the next question. So I'm just going to say that, and then you can keep on talking because it's probably the same answer, which is, what are some or what are some tips or tricks you have for people who have, who think that their mental health is a barrier to cosplay? Okay, so, so one thing that I was gonna say with the last question, this goes perfectly in with it. 
cosplay, like you mentioned with your wig, as armor. Like a lot of people talk about, I'm putting on my war face today when I put on my makeup for a job interview or whatever. Cosplay helps you, whether it's makeup, whether it's your wig, whether it's actual armor, like the process of it, it can either, you can physically think of it as like, this is my shield, this is my energetic armor, or just the process of getting into it can be a meditation, can be, some people call it self-hypnosis. The process helps relax you, helps get you out of your head, helps your anxiety quell because you're doing a physical thing and taking it off of whatever. can be very meditative and helpful, I found, and I've heard as well. Xander, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Um, yeah, with I, I, I mentioned I have ADHD. Um, while that doesn't inhibit me like at conventions, I love conventions because I'm a huge extrovert um, because of that. Um, but when making cosplays, um, setting deadlines, um, just starting something and not finishing, I'm a huge procrastinator. <laughs> Um, and so that's, that's kind of the difficulty I find the most is actually making the physical thing. Um, I've probably started, I could probably list a hundred cosplays I've started and I've only completed 10. <laughs> um, so I, I think uh, tip, it, tips for that is just kind of, if, especially if you're starting out in cosplay and have some sort of disability, whether uh, mentally, physically, whatever, um, figure out what's going to work for you. Um, I've learned that if I set a deadline, I'm not going to make my best thing because I procrastinate and will make it in a week before the convention. So if I decide to, I really want to make this big costume, I'm not going to set a deadline and whenever I get it done, I'm going to wear it. My advice for anyone who thinks that they, uh, can't cosplay would just be um, if your fear is, you know, first of all, yeah, you don't have to make it, you can buy it. Um, you know, Halloween, it, it cosplay is nothing more than Halloween every day. It's come as you aren't day instead of come as you aren't night. Um, and if, you know, you can also find if you're, you're thinking you can't get into it because you can't do a convention. That's kind of where I started. I was like, I can't handle all those people. Um, there's a lot you can get from just making stuff. And if you, if it winds up giving you the excuse to go to a convention, great. If not, you've got a really awesome Halloween costume. I mean, worst case scenario, there is one day a year you can wear what you make. So I just find what, what, helps you and dive into it and don't worry about anything else so we just have a couple or one more topic to get through and i just want to ask about allyship if somebody wants to be an ally for the disabled cosplayers or con goers in their life um what is just one or two things that they should keep in mind Step one, if you see someone that you think might be struggling at a convention, ask before you just help. Um, I've heard a lot of horror stories from people, from congoers in wheelchairs 
that have actually started to put spikes on their handles because of people being helpful. You know, the person comes up and sees someone who they think is struggling and is like, oh, well, here, let me help you. And they push them to where they think they were trying to go. Uh, when in reality, the person in the chair just got kidnapped and taken off somewhere. And it's not because the, the you know, it was someone that their heart was in the right place. They were trying to help someone out. And uh, my other thing on that would be if they say no, they don't want help, don't be offended. Um, they might be feeling very strong in that moment and seeing what they're capable of. They might be wanting to do something and seeing if it's possible for them to do it on their own. And so if they're feeling strong enough that they're not gonna want the help, not because they're unappreciative, but because they're wanting to try and they have to worry about when you're not gonna be there. And if they really wanna be able to do that, then they need to be able to do it when there isn't a helpful person. So a general rule of thumb, I would think is make no assumptions. Um, when you see a guide dog, please do not touch the animal. They are sweet and adorable and, and precious. But that animal is working, and although you may be excited to see this sweet puppy face, um, any interactions with the public will take away from that animal actively doing their job. It will be a distraction. A distraction. So, yeah, they need to do their job. And so just think, like, that's a working person right there, working entity. Um, little things like if you are trying to help when it comes to designing conventions or designing events in general, it's a great idea to think that accessibility and inclusion is good for everybody. We all understand that it's a finite universe and like bright lights would be great for me, but maybe not somebody who's got too much input. There's only so much you can do because we've all got different needs. But trying to think of people with different needs helps everybody because that ramp for the person in the wheelchair to the, the costume stage will help the person in the 300 pound dress. Yeah. As yeah. Mm -hmm. So thinking of accessibility isn't just for us, it's for everybody. When you're thinking of event seating, think, do the people in the wheelchair need to be front and center? Maybe I need to think about visually impaired people think of, of, of all the different things. You may not be able to do it, but try and think. If I can't hear, what will my experience be like? If I get sensory overload, what will my experience be like? Little things and like I that. Remember, I remember first going to cons and ADA seating was first and front row, maybe like right behind VIP or something. And that was where you had to sit. Uh, it, it's been more conventions that I've been going to that they, while they will have ADA seating first, they're not going to require them to sit in a specific spot unless they need to. Um, we don't have anybody here, but uh, hard of hearing people, more conventions are starting to get interpreters. Um, I have a few friends who are interpreters and have worked conventions and I think more conventions need to have that. They need to have um, better visuals and stuff. Um, and kind of, and, and just with the allyship 
both convention staff, um, they need to have training for all of their volunteers, for all of their staff to at least know, if they don't know the answer, to know where to go to get an answer. But yeah, basically, yeah, just don't assume anything. Um, for the most part, the person probably has, either knows what they're doing themselves or has a strong knit group of people who know how to take care of them. Uh, the biggest ally thing you can do is just listen. Um, either if you're on con staff or are looking or just be, just be mindful being like, hey, I know my, my really good friend could be using this and maybe they don't have, uh, as you might have heard, the spoons mm -hmm. um, to do something, to speak up or whatever. Be that person. Be somebody's voice if you know something could be better. Yep. Um, don't be afraid to ask, being like, you know, you seem like you were struggling at this convention. Um, are there things I should also tell the staff? Um, if Because if only disabled people say, hey, we need these things, you're going to have 10 out of 1,000 people sometimes. But if you have a bunch of people saying, hey, there are people who need these things. If you have more than 50% of, of attendees saying these things are needed, not ju be just because it's going to make everybody's life easier. Yeah, we definitely need more people to speak up with us. Not for us, with us. Well, thank you everybody for joining us today and for telling us your story and talking a little bit about what your experience is like in the cosplay community and world. And to finish it, we just want everybody to go around one more time and say your name and where we can find you on social media. And I also want to know what your dream cosplay would be. If it could be anything. And we'll start with Christelle. Oh, um, well, I'm Christelle. You can find me on Instagram, the Mermaid Mira, M-I-R-A, one word. Um, and I, you know, I've been sort of wanting to dive more into Catwomen cosplays. I have two. I currently do Bombshell, DC Bombshells Catwoman and Julie Newmar Catwoman. I kind of want to expand doing some more fun, more complex Catwomens at some point. That, that's, that's the future goal. <laughs> okay, and Xander? And I'm Xander of Xander Pander Cosplay. You can find me on Instagram. Um, and one cosplay I have keep planning and really want to work on is Roadhog from Overwatch. And not just Roadhog, but a size accurate Roadhog. Um, I'm 5'7", and he's like 7 foot. Oh. <laughs> so I wouldn't go that tall, but uh, building everything out, that, that's been a dream. And what about you, Olivia? I'm Olivia of Zemesta Cosplay. Um, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram as Zemesta Cosplay. Um, I think I would have to say I'm really wanting to get into mermaiding, but I really want to make a tail, and I have no idea how, so I'm going to have to get with the two of you to, <laughs> and uh, find out how, because, yeah, I was really, I've been really wanting to get into it. I, I and the costumes are so pretty. I know. <laughs> and Ilaria, what about you? Um, you can find me pretty much all over social media at Y-L-L-U-R-I-A. I've got a Facebook page. I'm also a YouTuber, so you can look up Ilaria on YouTube. 
um, mostly mermaid related content. And I'm a big TikToker. I heart TikTok lots. So if anybody of you guys want to come play there, that would be awesome. Um, my favorite, my dream cosplay, God, you know, just as a performer, I don't know if I have a dream cosplay, but as a performer, one of the things I really want to do is tour around the country to schools for the blind with a silicone tail because it has texture. I've always had uh, fabric tails and I really want a silicone so that kids that with visual disabilities and sensory disabilities have something they can touch, scales that they can feel and really show them that mermaids exist even for people with disabilities too. So that's a big well, and I'm Abby of Abby Cat Cosplay. You can find me at Abby Cat Cosplay on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, for me, recently, I've really gotten into bunny suits, and I like doing subversive, odd bunnies. Like, I like ones where people think it shouldn't be a bunny. And I kind of think that um, that mom jean sketch from SNL as a, as a bunny suit group, <laughs> would be I don't I, I mean I'm gonna have to get other people on board with that idea but wouldn't that be hilarious pleated front jean bunny suit yeah. <laughs> all right well thank you all for joining us and listening to our panel about causability um, don't forget to check out the SheProp community and come and join if you'd like we welcome all women trans and non-binary members we'd be very happy to have you and also don't forget to check out the SheProp YouTube channel and the SheProp Talk podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, so we are creating a lot of content featuring different makers show, sharing their skills as well as other panels about different things surrounding cosplay. So thank you all for joining us and thank you amazing panelists. Nice to meet you all. Bye. 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 <laughs>